Proverbs 30, just going to read a few verses starting in verse 24. It says, There be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. The conies are but a feeble folk, yet they make their houses in the rocks. The locusts have no king, yet they they yet go they forth all of them by bands. The spider taketh hold with her hands and is in king's palaces. God bless you. You can be seated. Dealing with and understanding, just a little bit of review here, that there is wisdom and God works and God draws our attention to these little things. Again, let me tell you today that it is sometimes a distraction. Sometimes it is a, I believe, very easy for us to not have motivations to be inactive, to feel like what's the point, what's the use, because what we have to contribute seems so insufficient, seems so small compared to everything that needs done in this world today. I'm sure I'm not the only one, if I can be very honest with you, to say it can be overwhelming when you look at what we're up against. When you, when you uh, look at all the adversity, when you look at all the, uh, the battle and all the challenges that we face every day, there's times that people just want to hide from it all. And there's a lot of uh, things we could say about ways people really just try to, to, to not, not get engaged and not, not, not even see the problem, ignore it and hide from it. But listen to me, we're going to have to face what we uh, are up against and see the challenges of our day, and realize that sometimes it is a very small action. We told you about the very small mustard seed the Bible talks about in uh, Matthew 13. And it says that it's just a very small seed. But, you know, you plant that seed and something great comes out of it. And told you that, that many times it is the planting of those little acts of faith, those little uh, uh, acts of kindness, compassion, mercy, just little times you get to shine the light that makes a big difference. That God uses those little things like the lunch of that young man that said, they said, what is so little among so many? But it was just that thing in the hands of Jesus that brought about a great miracle. So if we can look at little opportunities, look at small, the day of small things Zechariah talks about, and allow God to work in those little actions day by day that, that, uh, that he can use for his glory. And he points here in this chapter of wisdom, in a book of wisdom, and says that there, are, uh, there is uncommon wisdom, let me say, to be learned in these four small things, small uh, parts of God's creation, that we can look at four aspects of, of wisdom, four aspects of a Christian life. We talked about the first one uh, a week or two ago. The ants, we would say, are a very small thing, yet we learn that though they are small, though they are not strong, there is wisdom that we can learn in them. What does it say in other places of Proverbs? Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Hey, you lazy person, look at an ant, how hard it works. 
But he also here says that ant has some kind of God-given innate wisdom, this instinctual wisdom that God's put in it to teach us that there's no way that ant can survive a winter without food, and there's no way that ant can gather food in the winter. So it has to have some type of instinctual foresight to say, we're going to gather more than we can eat, gather more than we can use now because tough times are coming. And we talked about that wisdom that says, I'm going to plan ahead. I'm going to look ahead. I'm going to see what is in my future. And and we know that the Bible talks about how we are going to have eternity in our future. There is an appointment that every man has wants to die, and after this, the judgment. But also, as a Christian, we need to have the foresight to be able to say, you know what? There's going to be difficult days. Don't leave an altar where it just feels like everybody loves everybody and God is so good and I've got victory in every area of my life and think that 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 same kind of atmosphere is always going to be there Monday morning. Recognize there's going to be battles. Recognize there's going to be difficulties in your home, in your health, and, and, and in, your, in whatever you have in your life. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be very, very hard battles. And we've got to have faith fortified in our life and have a, a, a life for God that, that can get us through those times. Because I'm sure we've had many testimonies of men and women that have been living for God for many years and say, uh, so how was it? Was it always easy? And you might say, hey, it was harder than I ever thought it would be. There, the battles were tougher than I ever expected. That's... Uh, That's wisdom to say, I want to be ready for that. I want to have a faith that has roots down deep that is not going to just dry up. Amen? We talked a little bit, verse uh, 26, about the coney, the rock badger, this small animal that is a feeble, the Bible says. It's not ferocious, it's feeble. It's not uh, uh, something that you would look at and say, ah, get away from me. I'm scared to death. What if that thing attacks me? You'd say, oh, look at that thing. How cute. I want to get an aquarium and have a, have a coney. Just a, little, just a little cute little thing. But the idea is it lives in an environment that there are predators. And we get the same understanding when the Lord calls us his flock and his sheep and the, the wolf and the ravening and the, and, and the lion that is roaming to and fro. And we get that same idea. The coney has God-given wisdom to say, hey, I know I can't take a predator in a fight. I know that these little paws don't have claws that can rip open a, a, a lion or a bear. And I know that these little teeth aren't made to just go ahead and dig into the, to the neck of some kind of predator. I better find a good way to hide and live there. So the coney recognizes with wisdom its own weakness. Amen. I know the Bible says be strong, but read the rest of it. It says be strong in the Lord. So recognize That your inability to fight the devil, recognize your inability to to make it alone. Even Paul himself had to realize it when I when I'm really strong is when I recognize my weakness and I hide in the rock. Amen. Let Jesus be the rock that takes you through. Amen. And I think it was Wednesday we talked 
about uh, Proverbs 20, 30, verse 27. The locusts have no king, yet go forth all of them by bands. And talked about order. Talked about a topic that really, I, I just think, has so much been misunderstood and twisted up in so many different ways. But we talked about a grown-up look at order and mature look at, at the idea of, of, of finding our place in God and recognizing that our place isn't just necessarily what, what my brother, my sister, or, or, or my pastor's place might be, but everybody in their place working together for good. Working together that we all want to see success. We all want to see God's blessings. Amen. We're not worried this idea of, well, what if I get caught or what if I get in trouble? That is not a grown-up look at order and authority in your life. That is something, and sadly, people grow up in years, but they still have this attitude that, that, uh, that uh, is, is just rebellious for no good reason. To rebellious against folks that are there to help and bless and, and meet that need that, that to, to get you through. And God's put people around you to help you. you say, well, I, I gotta do it by myself. That's ridiculous. None of us is an island. None of us, the Bible says none of us live to ourselves or die to ourselves. We need the community. We need the help that God has placed for us. Amen. Hallelujah. But we're gonna move on now. And look at verse 28. I told you last week, or, or last Wednesday rather, that this is uh, something that, that just really caught my attention this time through the book of Proverbs. I don't know how many weeks ago it's been now, maybe months ago. And I don't know, maybe if I would to, were to ask you to write down the top five aspects of being a Christian. Character traits. What is a Christian? How is a Christian different? Or maybe how is a Christian supposed to be different? You'd like to, it to be worded. And, and I don't know if uh, maybe any of these that we've already mentioned, this wisdom about preparing uh, ahead for, for hard times, knowing your weakness, or, uh, or order in your life, would be in anybody's top five. And this last one, this fourth one, I think is not any different. I don't know that maybe in a word you might say, here is something every Christian needs in their life. But I think if we just start teaching this, the first few minutes you'll say, oh yeah, oh yeah, of course. This uh, might not be in my top five, but it, it needs to be mentioned, certainly, this wisdom that the spider has. The small, uh, I want to say insect, let's just say bug. We know a spider's not an insect, but this... Uh, this small creature, if you will, taketh hold with her hands, right? And is in king's palaces. Let's look at this and just see what, what this wisdom is in the book of Proverbs. Now, I don't know if I would ask, if I asked you how many people like spiders. I don't know if anybody said, oh, I love spiders. But let me ask this. Do you like finding them in your house? Do you like it when... A spider takes up residence in the corner of your bedroom or somewhere maybe in, in where you have stairs. I would hope to think that maybe everybody would say, no, that is a pest. That's something that doesn't belong there. It is an unwelcome guest. Amen. Uh, maybe your problem isn't so much with, if I can just look to somebody and say, no, I think they're neat. Okay, 
But uh, nobody likes walking into a spider web. If you do, then God bless you. I'm going to just pray for you. It's something that, oh, i got to clean this up. And you don't want that kind of mess in your house, I hope. The, the idea of cobwebs and spider webs that are in your house, it makes for an understanding that, hey, that spider that, uh, that may take up residence, uh, you know, it is an unwelcome guest in your house. So knowing that, that just maybe the average Joe would say, I don't, uh, I don't really prefer to have spiders in my home taking up residence. They're not welcome to, to call this their home. How much more in a king's palace? How much more in a place that is to be just uh, extravagant and elegant? A place that is known to have the best of the best. We want it to be extra clean. We don't want pests. We don't want certainly any kind of uh, of uh, vermin or problems. We we want to get rid of that immediately. And certainly, uh, we don't want uh, somebody to come into the palace and stay the night as a as a king's. Uh, guest and and see these little insects or little bugs in their in their room at all we don't want spider webs hanging from the ceiling we want everything to be perfect and perfect means the spiders should go but yet the bible says here that even though nobody likes that that spiders take hold and there you're going to find them whether you like it or not and chances are you not you're going to find them in king's palaces because they're hard to get rid of. It's hard to say, I know for a fact there are absolutely no spiders here today. You might say, to the best of my knowledge, I did my best. But they take hold, and uh, you can find them even in the most royal of settings, in the most extravagant of homes, you can find spiders. God says, There's wisdom here. God says there's something to learn as a Christian here in this very small thing. The idea of it taking hold and finding it in places that it's unwelcome. What could that possibly have to do with a Christian? The idea that it holds on and says, I'm going to be very hard to get rid of. You've got to try your best. Listen to me now. Because this seems so opposite to what I want my Christian experience to be. It shouldn't be that way. I just want to be saved. I just want to get to heaven. I'm not looking for any problems between A and heaven. Amen? It ought to just be simple to get from here to glory. I just want to be saved. It ought to be the most simple, natural thing. But the Bible tells us that man is born under trouble. As the sparks fly upward, you can see right from the very beginning, even in the Garden of Eden, there was adversity, there was temptation, there was a battle. And you'll see this all the way through the Bible without any exception of any time in the history of God's people. You will see God's people facing adversity. Look in your uh, book of Hebrews, 11th chapter, the great men and women that exercise faith exercise it against unspeakable odds. The things that David put up with, the things that Paul put up with, the things that any number of, of men and women of God had to deal with in their lives make the things that I feel like I can't get through seem just so small. 
God is saying to us that, you know what, we've got to have a desire to get to heaven that is so great that, that the word is tenacity, the ability to grab onto it and hold on. The ability to say, I'm going to be awfully hard to get rid of. You're being taught by the spider, hey, I'm just going to be, as Brother Philip said one time, the first time I saw him in church when he, he was just making this his church, I said, hey, aren't you supposed to be, don't you have services in your other, serv- in your other church? And he said, I'm going to be a permanent fixture here. <laughs> and you know what? He held up to that. At the end, when somebody said, hey, he's not ready to go to church, we needed to find out what was going on. Amen. You've got to have to get it in your mind. I'm not going to be easy to get rid of. I'm going to be tenacious. I'm going to get a grip, and I'm going to hold on. Amen. Turn to it. We talked about uh, uh, Jacob here recently in Genesis 32. The man that I told you sometime here recently that... It almost seems ridiculous. I hope that doesn't sound like I'm stepping out of bounds, but I think you understand that God would tell Moses, I am the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. When you start looking at Jacob's life, when you start looking at who he is, that God would say, I'm the God of Jacob. Amen. God had a plan for Jacob's life, but Jacob didn't seem like he stayed on the path very 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 long at all it took him a while to find his place in the kingdom of god but one of the things i think is god even later on says this caught my attention this is something i want to tell you about this is one one of the reasons jacob has a place in the story of of redemption in fact the nation of israel is named after Jacob. And all that came down to this moment in in Genesis 32, verse 24. Jacob is having a prayer meeting. I don't know how. Don't ask me specifics on this. All I know is what I can read here. But somewhere in the wrestlings of his prayer meeting, he finds himself wrestling with the angel of the Lord. The Bible says... Here in uh, verse 24, and Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Now, I will say this. Later on in this story, when the angel of the Lord is finally fed up with it, he just touches the, the, the hollow, it says, of his thigh, and, and his hip immediately is out of joint. So I think the angel of the Lord could smite 180,000 in one one night, uh, he could have took Jacob. So God allows us to go through some wrestling matches sometimes. Sadly, I've seen folks with such amazing potential get in this wrestling match, more so with their own flesh and the will of God. Hello? And they say, it shouldn't be this way. It's not right. It's not fair. It should be just easy. No, there's going to be some battles you're going to have to fight in this world, and some of them are going to have to be with your own will. Look what it says. Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of, day, of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. The hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And even then, come on now. 
He's in this wrestling match. The angel just reaches down and touches his thigh, throws it out of joint. That's not fair. You're using angel powers. But he doesn't let go. He doesn't give up. He still, if anything, he could have said, that's just crazy. I, there's no way I can overcome. But that wasn't the idea. It wasn't just, just hey, i got to win this. It was, it's, you're not going to get rid of me that easy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get what I came for and, or die trying. It's that kind of tenacity, that kind of, of, of desire, that wisdom that God, God noticed. And God was trying to bring that out of him. I don't want to get way ahead of myself, but I, I'll just tell you where we're going to end up in this. God's, God's got a plan from the very beginning. This wrestling match wasn't something God didn't know what was going to happen. God was trying to bring that fight out of him. I didn't say get it out of him. I said bring it out of him. Bring it to the surface. Come on, this is who you're supposed to be. This is something I want to use in you. I want you to see that you're not a quitter. I want to see. I want you to see what you can handle. I want you to see that no matter how much that hurts so bad that you can still make it if you hold on. So often, what's the use of this? It hurts. Pain sometimes is, is just what God is working in and using sometimes to bring out the strengths that God's put in you. Jacob was running from this strength for a long time. That's for sure. He said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And this is where Jacob gets the name Israel. Because he was a prince. He prevailed. He said, this is who you are. This wasn't a fluke that you won this battle. This is who I've been trying to get you to see who you are. You've got this strength. You're a prince. You're not a supplanter. You're not a swindler. You're not a cheat. You're a prince. And I've been trying to get you to see this all along. That now that you've held on and you've fought and you, you battled and even through the pain, you said, I'm not letting go. I want you to see what I've always seen. That you've got that tenacity. You've got that strength in you. I'd rather it just be easy. I'd rather forget there's a battle. I'd rather just do something that's less painful. But, but God got him to a place where he recognized, hey, you're, you're no cheater. You're no Jacob. You're an Israel. You're a prince with God. Hallelujah. How about the woman in Luke 18? The Bible talks about a widow woman. Someone that is, is needy. Someone who had nobody. And the Bible says in the book of Luke that she goes to an unjust judge. Now stop right there and just let me just let you see straight on how crazy this seems to our own understanding. God and his ways are likened to a judge, not the most righteous judge, but a stubborn, unjust, nasty person. God's not stubborn, unjust, or nasty, but he allows us to go through some situations to bring out in us strength, bring out in us that persistence, bring out in us that tenacity, that if you're not careful, you're going to get angry with God and say, this isn't fair how you've treated me. This isn't fair how you didn't listen to me. You didn't answer my prayers. And God uses this to teach us something. It's not, this isn't uh, nursery rhymes and, and, and Peter Pan. This is, this is for the mature child of God that can see that uh, God doesn't have to just make everything like a fairy tale. God can show us something in this. 
that he says the kingdom of heaven is like a widow woman that had a very real need. She was done unfairly. And she goes to a judge that doesn't have time for her, doesn't care about her, has no compassion for her needs. And doesn't answer her because he finally says, oh, this, this broke my heart, the story of this woman. He couldn't care less. But she keeps knocking. She keeps nagging. She, keeps, she won't give up. In one way, you could say she, he got the idea, hey, I'm not going to be easy to get rid of. You're not going to get rid of me just by, by, by giving me a bad day, a bad week, a bad month. I'm going to keep coming back and get what I need. The kingdom of heaven is like that. The kingdom of heaven is filled with people that are hard to get rid of. They recognize, hey, this is worth it. This is worth it. I, I, I'm not looking to have... God does not have to some kind of appease my, my, my poor fragile ego. He doesn't have to somehow... I'm telling you, there's soldiers in this world. We're going to talk about it a little bit later. And men and women that have overcome great, great adversity, unfair odds and, and things stacked against them. But you know what? They had their eyes on a prize. How much more ought a Christian have that tenacity, that ability to hold on and say, hey, it's all right. There's going to be problems. There's going to be difficulties. I'm going to heaven. Where are you going? Amen. That widow wearied that judge. The judge said, I don't care about her or anybody, but I'm just going to give her what she needs. And God told us to have that same kind of tenacity that that, that widow had against an unjust judge. You've got to want to be saved more than anything else in the world. And that means our pride. That means our self-importance. Amen. That woman, the, the Bible was talked about her going after Jesus. She was a Gentile. And she wasn't part of the, the covenant. The Lord had no real, he wasn't bound by anything to help her. But she said, I, I need help. I need I, I I desperately need help. And he ignored her. The disciples said, Push, put her out. Get her away from us. She troubles us. The Lord said, I'm, I'm only come to save Israel. I, I don't need to heal anybody outside of Israel. That's the children's bread. And she said, uh, you're right. I, I'm not one of the children of Israel. I'm not part of this covenant. I'm just a dog, really, to, to as far as that goes. But can I get a crumb? You can... Ignore me. You can tell me to go away, but I'm not going to be hard to get rid. I'm going to be very hard to get rid of because I've got a need that I cannot accept no for. How about the Apostle Paul? That's an that's that's an example. I'm sure all of us can just just look at. Was it was there ever an easy day for Paul to to say, you know what? Time to live for God. Time to serve God. Time to to, to get this thing going, man, we, we got souls to save. You know, Second Corinthians, turn with me. I'm sure we all could probably quote part of it, if not all of it. Second Corinthians 11, Paul is talking to this very immature church that was full of strife, division, even had, had awful sin they were dealing with, just any problem, every, any question that, that was happening at Corinth. And Paul says to them, of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Now, he was a Jewish man. He was a man who had a commitment in his life 
that if I go to town, I'm going to try to save my own countrymen first. I'm going to try to reach out to my, my family, if you will, my, my Jewish heritage. I'm going to try to reach them first. Five different occasions. You'd think on the third or fourth, he'd say, you know what? The Jews can't find another preacher to try to help them. Because five times he was whipped 39 times. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, saved one. Can you imagine being beaten with a whip, more than likely publicly, just once? And say, I'm going back to this. Okay, if he gets this a second time, certainly he's going to quit. No, none of these things move me, he said one time. Three times he's beaten 39 stripes. 39 lashes with the whip. I didn't do the math on what 39 times 5 is. God bless you if you've got it already. But listen to me. They are, they, this is what he dealt with. But that's not all. If that was all, that'd be enough for most. Three times, thrice, was I beaten with rods. Not too many people can have that conversation. Now, what do you think is worse, rods or, or lashes? I don't know, because the rods, that, that hurts a lot. And, man, that really breaks bones and, and leaves, leaves bru- deep, deep bruises. But, you know, they, they hit you till you pass out. But those, those lashes, they go 39 times no matter what. I don't know. I can only wonder. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeyings often in perils or dangers in the water. Dangers with robbers. Dangers with my own countrymen. He's getting it from every angle. Tell me one place where Paul, you'll see at the end of his life, you'll see him saying, Demas forsook me, Titus went to his own, and, and, and Crescens, he left, and, and all that's with me is Luke. Much of his writings, like this one, from a prison cell, he's still helping the church. Many will not visit him, many will disown him, because they don't want to be guilty by association and end up in prison. And certainly there was this prosperity kind of doctrine almost in that day where people were saying, you know, you'll end up with Paul if you don't have, like Paul if you don't have enough faith. So they started preaching that Paul's doing something wrong, really, because that's not the way God treats his children. And when it was all said and done, Paul said, I fought a good fight. I'm ready to be offered. I kept the faith. Perils in the heathen, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils in among false brethren. These are the things that the Apostle Paul was dealing with. But understand, there were others also. I I submit to you, I've taught this before, I showed it to you in the Bible, that one of his very own sons in the Gospel, Titus, who was one of that he wrote a pastoral epistle to, Titus didn't want to have anything to do with him. I'm not going to end up like that. They didn't believe that God's... Living for God could be so difficult and you could still be right. But the Bible tells us that Paul just held on. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is offended and I burn not? People stumble. People fail. 
people uh, people are weak. Yes, amen. Say, oh, it's it's unbelievable that that we have somebody that's that's weak. And no, no, it's it's very believable. Amen. There's a time where you were weak as well. When we look at Bible understanding, prevalent terms that are used in the Bible to refer to the walk of a child of God, it's not foreign to realize we better be tenacious. We better be hard to get rid of. When the Jesus himself said, take up your cross, whew, I'm so glad he took up his cross. I'm so glad he went to the whipping post for my healing. I'm so glad he went to the cross. He said, you've got a cross. You've got shame to bear. You've got reproach to bear. Amen. Not everybody's going to think you're the best. Not everybody's going to appreciate your stand. Not everybody's going to love you. Beware when all men speak well of you, Jesus said, in the last days. Amen. To take up a cross is how Jesus tells us it's going to be for Christians. You're going to have your own cross. You're going to have your own battle with your weakness. You're going to have your own battle with the shame and the persecution and the reputation. Amen. You're going to have this living for me. Amen. How about all that's in the Bible? We started talking about this earlier and, and um, about being a good soldier of the cross. I'm never, never just short of amazed when I hear people talking about bravery and courage and, and everything that someone goes through in the training process of an elite soldier and the, the sacrifices that are made, the, the extent of, uh, uh, of all the, 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 Extremes that somebody will go to because they're convinced this is worth living for. This is worth giving all for. This is worth dying for. And then we can lack the tenacity to get through something for the kingdom of heaven. The Bible talks about enduring hardness like a good soldier. The Bible talks so many times we see, uh, I've heard the skeptics and the atheists use the gruesome details of battles and how God led them into battles and, and, and use that and say, this is, this is the kind of stuff that's in the Bible. Are you kidding me? But this is the very heart of, of a child of God that, that now in this New Testament, we're not resting against flesh and blood. We're not trying to, to destroy our enemies and, as a church. No, we are, we're trying to see people saved, but we are wrestling. We are in a very real warfare against principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness in high places. So we recognize that all these principles that are given to us in the Old Testament for, for the battles and the, and the perseverance against all the, the difficulties of warfare and all the things that, that is David, got just one of the greatest men of our Old Testament that we see just holding on to God. And, and how often David was not only fighting Philistines, but David was fighting civil wars Almost every year of his reign. 
And before he was ever king, he was running from his own king. So the Philistines, yeah, they're a big player in the Old Testament. They're a big player. But, you know, David, if you're going to make it, you're going to have to just keep fighting for right. Keep standing for righteousness. Amen. There was a while in David's life, I think this is just as mind-blowing of a portion of Scripture as you'll ever find, that David was more safe in Ziklag than he was in Judah. Say, big deal. Ziklag was in the Philistines' territory. He camped out, took his mighty men before they were so mighty, and said, we're safer here. But you know what? After a while, he recognized, hey, I've got to, I, I, I've got to fight this battle, and I've got to get to where God's called me to be. So listen to me, church. When, when we recognize that God's called us to be armed with a helmet, a breastplate, and our loins girt, and sword and shield, and and the shoes of uh, the preparation of the gospel of peace. This is no game. You have to have the same kind of attitude. I know it's easy to say, oh, you know what? Take it easy, preacher. You know, just just be be the, the nice guy that never gets wound up or anything. Hey, this is a warfare. You've got to recognize this. If you don't have that kind of spirit in you, you're going to be very, very disillusioned not because the enemy comes and, and, and hits you hard. Hits you hard in areas you say, that should be off bounds. You shouldn't be able to use that kind of power against me. That's not fair. That's not fair. You, you, you're, you, you hit me low. That is wrong. That should be disqualified. But the devil is merciless. Amen. We mentioned this word in talking about a soldier. Some amazing, amazing stories of just of even recent times in in Iraq and Afghanistan, soldiers that have come back with stories of sacrifice that if you're not moved by it, you just, you're immovable. Times where in order to save just a few, to, that people, people just walked into to fire, into, into danger and gave their life to make sure a signal got out to rescue the, the men that they fought next to. Many, many stories that that could be told and some that will never be told of sacrifices and it takes that kind of sacrifice it takes that kind of loyalty with people that that are frail people that are feeble people that are are weak people that are people the most pharisee type of attitude that we can ever have is saying that holiness and striving for that means that we're not part of a process that that people need to realize, hey, there's an altar for a reason. We need to be able to to help the weak. And part of that is sacrifice. Part of living in any situation, whether you're talking about a home that's going to work and last, a job. There's times where it doesn't go your way. Sometimes we think compromise is a dirty word. But when compromise is sacrifice that says it doesn't go my way, it doesn't, I'm going to have to take a hit for this. I'm going to have to have to just smile and, and go along with something. Forbearance, forgiveness. 
Sacrifice is a big part of life that says, you know what, I'm not the only one with gifts and talents and abilities. I want to help somebody. I want to be a blessing. Sacrifice is a hard thing for somebody. But yet, is not sacrifice the very centerpiece of why any of us are here? Isn't sacrifice the very mode that God used to prove his love and save us? To set aside glory, to set aside preference, to set aside all he deserved, to become, can I say, a filthy human being that can be spit on, mocked and ridiculed, never once use any of his supernatural power to fight a personal battle. Amen. can call 12 legions of angels to protect me and save me from this. And I don't have to take one bit of it, but he opened not his mouth, was dumb like a sheep before it to slaughter. Amen. For me, for you, the idea of sacrifice, the idea of going to a cross and saying, you know what, you can, you can mock, you can ridicule, you can spit on me, you can uh, humiliate me, but I'm not going to leave this cross. I'm going to hold on because of my love. Second Corinthians, we were just in there, 11th chapter. Uh, but turn with me to the fourth chapter. It says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Paul said that the excellency of the power may be of God, not of us. We are troubled on every side. Yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. You've got to hold on like a little spider in a king's palace. You've got to make up your mind that the, go- the prize is far outweighs what I have to face to get there. I mean, Jesus said if your right eye would cause you to stumble, just be better get rid of your right eye. It's that serious. Your right hand, if, if it were to cause you to stumble, it would be just better for you to go into heaven with one hand or one foot. It's that serious. You're going to face things that, that, that making a choice will be like giving up your right hand. You're going, to, you're going to face things that making a choice for heaven be like giving up your right eye. Troubled on every side, perplexed, persecuted, cast down. But not distressed, not despair, not forsaken, not destroyed. With God being for you, you can make it through. I didn't say it was easy. And I, I just, uh, I detest any preacher that just puts a big old grin on his face and acts like it's no big deal. To me, that is so wrong. But the fact is, you can make it. The fact is, with God, all things are possible. Whatever you face, God already knows. I know you get hit hard right where it counts, and you never expected that. But God knows what it will bring out in you. Can you imagine enclosing a man named Joseph? Now he got to see just what God was doing. But I don't think it just was that easy, maybe, to stare his brothers in the eye. The ones that 
brought him away from his family, the ones that that threw him in the pit, the ones that shackled him and mocked him, the ones that made his life so incredibly miserable, the ones that, that were directly responsible for him being a slave, the ones directly responsible for him, though God blessed him, that now he is in prison in a dungeon because that Potiphar's wife lied upon him after he resists her seduction, amen, and does what's right. Now he's in prison, amen. And all that comes around, now he's staring his brothers in the eyes. And all that time, he just held on. All that time, he just would never let go to his faith, to his belief that God was working a plan. Genesis 50, verse 20. They are bowing before him, falling down before his, on their faces, thinking, we're going to die. If I was him, he, he's in a place of power, a position that, that he doesn't have to answer to anybody. Hey, why'd you execute those Jews? They, you know, they smell bad. Oh, yeah, I can't believe you put up with them as long as you did. Hey, let's go, let's go do something else. See, that's simple for his power right there. They fall on his face knowing, hey, I would kill me. If I was the one in power and I put me in, in, into, into that hole, I heard your, his crying. I heard his begging for mercy. And I laughed and walked off like I didn't hear it. Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? You hear that? He's saying, God, God was in this from the beginning. You don't have enough power over me to... that that." You messed up God's plan for my life. You just brought me to the place where God was taking me all along. Hallelujah. But as for you, uh-oh, no. You thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. What an amazing revelation that Joseph could say all the adversity and he Face some adversity. He has the right to, to, the, to be an example in my life for sure. Everything you did, you meant for evil, but God had a plan in it. And I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to seek vengeance against you because God was in it all along. And look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Amen. God was working in every bit of pain, every bit of problem, every bit of adversity. And what did Joseph do? He did what he could do. He held on. God seemed to bless him and bless him and then boom, back to the bottom so it seemed. But no, he's just moving on in God's will. There's no top and bottom. He's just moving on. And Joseph was able to see God had a plan in it all. It might be pretty tough right where you are right now to think God had anything to do with your pain. You might be able to say, well, it's easy to look back when you're sitting on the throne and say God meant it for good, but I'm not there yet. No, that's it. You're not there yet. But God's working. There's nothing that you ever face that I want to tell you. The Bible tells us that this end time is going to get bad. 
there's things that are in place that are going to wax worse and worse. The freedoms that we have that we just take so lightly so often, I'm telling you, it's so, so clear that they may not always be with us. What are you going to do? I'm going to do my best to, to fight it. Well, hold on. Hold on to Jesus. Hold on to the knowledge, the faith that says, God, you had a plan all along. And my adversity, my struggles in God, in God, will bring out the potential, the plan that God had all along. That when man saw evil and there's evil people, I'll be the first to tell you from the pulpit, People that have done you dirty and had nothing but evil intended for you. But God's got a plan. God will help you through whatever you got to face. You say, I can't. Oh, if God brings you to it, he'll help you through it, no doubt. But you got to hold on. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Sister Katie, if you'd come, please, and play something for us. Would tenacity be one of your top five, top ten of being a Christian? Persistence, endurance. Maybe not at first, but like I said, just a few minutes in, you probably say, yeah, I get it. I just want to take a few moments that if you're in this house today and maybe you're saying, hey, I hear what you're saying, I know I know it's all through the Bible from beginning to end. God's working even in, in the bad. God's purpose, God's plan is not hindered by a devil. By anybody that's set their mind to destroy me or hurt me. I, I, I get that that's in the Bible, but it's so hard for me to see it where I'm standing right now today. It's hard for me to have the kind of faith that Joseph had I don't read I'm not saying it's there or not but I don't read where Joseph tells any of his prison cellmates God's got a plan for good I don't I don't really read where he's a slave in Potiphar's house saying I know my brothers have meant evil, but I, I know it's good. I, I don't know where his faith was throughout the whole journey. I really can't tell you that. But one thing I can tell you is that he held on. Just keep doing what you know to do for God. Some days, you hold on. There are things that I believe I, I said to somebody here a few weeks ago. Things I see coming to pass. Things I see happening. That I've been praying and sowing and holding on for. For years and years and years. God's big picture. God's plan to bring out in you your strength. So sad that there are many in this world I've seen come and go that 
They've never really come face to face and recognize, hey, this is what God's put in me. This is how God wants to work in me. This this, this isn't something that, that, that I need to just ignore. But God's put in me a strength that I need to use for His kingdom. They just constantly reminded of their weakness, constantly reminded of their struggles, but they don't realize that through those struggles, God's sharpening and strengthening and bringing about His plan for your life. I don't want to sound negative. I don't want to sound like I've got a, a sad story. It's, it's not easy. A spider is an unwelcome guest, but he holds on and says, you're not going to get rid of me very easily. Teaches the Christian wisdom. Let's find a place to pray. Let's just talk to God for a little bit yet. Lord, we need you. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, I know you know what I'm talking about. You understand. And you've wondered, something's got to be wrong. It shouldn't be such a battle. something that was said in this service today can show you from Joseph to Jacob David to Paul to the cross it's a battle sacrifice Overcoming obstacles, holding on with tenacity. Oh, yes, Lord, waiting for you. Must have faith to receive it. God knows that you need it. There's a blessing in this house. Waiting for you. Blessing in this house. Waiting for you. Oh, I love you, Lord. Help my brothers, my sisters. Help them, God. Help them. Lord, give them the strength that they need to hold on. Give them the strength they need to stand. Isn't that what? The Lord told us in Ephesians 6, Soldier, you've done all you can do. Stand. Just stand. Hold on. Hold your ground and stand in what God is doing. Oh, yes, Lord. Have faith to receive it. God knows that you need it. There's a blessing in this house waiting for you. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, God. 
holding on. There's strength. You got to pay attention in prayer. The people God's put in your life, listen, pay attention. God's God's got strength every time you need it. It'll be there. God's got help every time you need it. It'll be there. God's got everything you need. He's equipped you to make it all the way to the end. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. God, thank you. Thank you for your help. Thank you for loving us so much and showing us, God, that you'll be there every step of the way. You said you'd never leave us. You'd never forsake us. You'd be there all the way to to the end. God, we love you so much for it. Lord, I ask you to just bless each and every one, my brothers and sisters. Help us to hold on through these times that we face, God, through the times ahead. We trust you to do great things, God, through us, God. We give you all the glory and thanks. Bless the remainder of this day for your kingdom, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. God bless you, church. Turn around and shake hands with everybody.